Welcome everybody back to the Deposit That Podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest who I had the pleasure of speaking to for the past three hours uh, in person, met for the first time today. And they always say when you speak to someone on the phone for the first time, you, know, you usually don't get a good feeling of who they really are. Usually people put on their best you know, show or act for somebody. And I can tell you that the five or six times that Laura and I have spoken on the phone, she's maintained her consistency and it's truly a pleasure to have her on the show. So, Laura, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Nice to finally be live. I yes. feel like our pregame was pretty long. You know, we had some time to uh, catch up. I feel like we already did three podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> so, tell us about yourself. Tell us where you got started and how you got into the mortgage business. Oh, my goodness. The true story. My goodness, back. my goodness. You know, I think everybody in the mortgage business has some kind of story, right? I don't think anybody, anybody grew up, you know, through high school saying, I plan on going into the mortgage business. Yep. So my story is I was a young mom. So I got married. You're still for, a young mom. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Always. So I was a young mom. And, you know, at that time, it was kind of like, listen, you can't even afford daycare. So I'm going to stay home. And so I stayed home. And after about a year, I was losing my mind with just I needed to do something. Not to date myself, but in those days, there wasn't a lot of like, let me go and do gigs and stuff like that. It was more of you either worked in a mall or you did things over the telephone. So I'm like, you know what? I love speaking on the telephone. I'm going to go do telemarketing. <laughs> Most women like speaking on the telephone. <laughs> there you go. So I was just happy to get out of the house. And long story short, the campaign that I was hired for was Champion Mortgage. Wow. Yeah. And Champion Mortgage hired the company that I was working at to actually generate leads for people to refinance. Wow. Well, I was so successful at actually doing this that I fell in love with the mortgage business. So, you know, we were speaking, like you said earlier, yeah. <clears throat> and you mentioned that when you were younger, you didn't know any better, right? You kind of just did things because, hey, nobody ever told you you couldn't do it. So you did it. Well, part of how I progressed through things is one day, I was about 22 years old, and I'm working at this telemarketing company at night, and I get the idea, you know what, I want to buy a house. I'm 22 years old, and I'm working, I can go buy a house. And I thought, well, I need to make more money. So one day, I go and I knock on the door of the vice president of this company. Why? Well, nobody ever told me I couldn't go knock on the door to vice president. And I stood outside and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm Laura Brandeo and I work at night in your telemarketing operation. He's like, uh-huh. Like, what, yeah, like yeah, what, yeah. what do you want, girl? <laughs> and I'm like, um, I want to buy a house. And he's like, OK. And I'm like, I need to make more money. What can I do to get more hours? How can I make more money? He's like, you know what? We just got this new computer system. You know anything about computers? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm great at computers. No problem. I built the first one. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I graduated high school like a couple of years ago. Sure. I, I know about them. And he goes, stay after hours, run the reports, and then, you know, you can pick up some extra hours. I'm like, cool. So next day, some kid showed me how to run the reports, but I didn't just run the reports. I took the reports, I analyzed the data, I stayed there till midnight, writing up a synopsis of what I saw, weaknesses and strengths, and kind of analyzing what would be the best plan for different people that worked in the telemarketing operation. The next day I was promoted to the manager of that company. Wow. 
So I think that look, that's a, you dropped a ton of <laughs> valuable information on how you operate. That's where you've gotten to today. Again, from our conversation earlier, which will leak out in a little bit. But your average person today, or even back then, wouldn't have said, "Hey, I want to work more to earn more." They would have said, "I just want to earn more and do the same job." And even if they did get the opportunity to pull the reports, they definitely wouldn't look at them. They would give in the reports probably without even checking to see if the ink printed on the reports. <laughs> so where did you learn that in life? Like, where, where do you believe that that trait or it factor came from? My parents. Both? Yeah, both of my parents. I mean, I grew up very blue collar. Okay, very blue collar. My father was a janitor for the post office. My mom didn't go to college, but she did work her way up to running like an office, you know, in an accounting firm. Sure. And we were just taught it sky's the limit as to anything you ever want to do in life. No one can ever stop you from doing anything except yourself, but you work your butt off because you don't have to be the smartest, you don't have to be the best looking. You don't have to be the fastest, but if you outwork people, you can have anything. Consistently outwork. Again, we spoke earlier, we're going to keep referencing this because we're going to have, a, it's like a follow-up session now, right? We spoke earlier about women in today's world, right? Women in today's business world, women in today's schooling, even younger kids in the social media impact. How do you get in their ear and in their head to let them know like, look, you're good enough, but you still have to work for it. Or like you're still playing on the same level playing field as a man. And what would be your advice to them? All age yeah. groups. And I'll tell you, Jeff, you know, again, going back to our conversation, yeah. you, you kind of just asked me, you know, what my thoughts were of, uh, I guess one of the questions you asked me is, did I ever see any limitation? Right. Indirectly. Yeah, indirectly. Okay. You filtered and, that. <laughs> yeah. And my response, which will always be the same response, I honestly never, ever even thought there was a difference between a man and a woman. In my mind, I am doing a job. I am trying to reach a goal. I am working towards something, whether it's building a company, whether it's whatever it is. Building a okay? family. What, yeah. Building a family. It yep. doesn't. No one can limit you, but you. Now, I will tell you, we also said it's challenging mm -hmm. for young girls right now. There is so much pressure from everywhere, with, from every direction. And I even openly said to you, I couldn't even imagine what it's like raising a daughter sure. in this environment right now, because there's so much coming at them. You know, there's so many influences. There's so many reasons of. I'm not worthy because maybe I don't measure up to whatever it is, whatever the image is, whether it's social media, whether it's television, whether it's whatever it is, there's so many variables of I can't measure up. And what I would recommend to that is that that's why it's important that we support the younger generation to be able to mentor them and be able to show them that it all starts with believing in yourself on the inside. And when you, you, you mentioned hearing me on the phone, you can tell my inside. And then luckily I'm at the point in my life. I just say it like it is. Right. 
because I don't have anything to prove. No fluff. It is there, no, no it ego. It is what There's it no is. Ego. This yep. is it. This is what you get every single day. Doesn't matter what day it is. It's always the same. It, again, it was funny, right? So when we first spoke, we had a quick call. If you remember, yep. we talked briefly. You walked me through your site, and then I was going to look at one of your products and programs to see, just to learn about it. And I couldn't figure something out. I didn't have the password, or yep. I, I misunderstood something. And I remember picking up my phone, like, hmm. We just had a good call. I'm probably going to call her back and she'll probably not answer the phone. And if you remember me, I said, holy shit. I go, you answered the phone. Like, wait, it's 7.15. Like you re and you're like, yeah, as long as my phone's on, it's not 9 p.m. Like you said earlier, like I'm going to get back to you right away. And I think coming from me, like I appreciated and valued that because you didn't just give me your best shot and disappear. And you've been consistent throughout our communication for the past several months. I think that's super important. It just showed me who you are. I mean, you run a billion dollar company, right? You have what 45 plus employees that you probably actively manage and you still took the time to pick up my call after hours when you didn't have to and it wasn't an immediate source of income that's even funny you know when i when i leave my physical office at night i have a home office and i have a phone i for my company sitting on my desk in my house and just last night i just happened to be sitting i literally i drive home and log back in Like that is how dedicated I am to my company. And the phone rang. I have no idea who it is. Just a 407 area code. I have no name. I have no idea if it's who it is. And I picked up and the girl said, you picked up. And I'm saying, of course. The phone was ringing. I picked up. And she said, said, (laughs) I have called six different lenders and no one answered the phone because it's 645 and no one answered. I said, well, how can I help you? And she just, she, no, she doesn't know I'm the president of the company. She has no idea who I am that answered the phone. Sure. But she was blown away that someone answered the phone. That's almost sad. It, it is sad. So let, I'm going to give both sides. So I always say like I was used and abused and bent over, but I allowed it for the early part of my career while I was building my career, right? And I had this conversation just yesterday with, look, if you want to be able to hit certain goals, numbers, or build your business to a certain level, you have to go through that three years or four years of sacrifice. You have to, where you get walked all over, unfortunately. Because, it's a learning process. Right, because you have nothing, right? Yeah. So you have to go through all that, build your business up, and then once you get to that level or point, then you can start firing people and cutting people yeah. off and not answering and Building your well, boundaries. You can building select your boundaries. who you want to do. Right, because now you have 100 people. Right. You know what? I only want to deal with these 25. Correct. They work my way. They're respectful, right. et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, when I first started in the business, again in 2007, so from 2007 to 2010, really, that's when everyone got shaken out. No yeah. one was lending. No one had money. Everyone was just running for the hills. People would call me at like 5 15 on a Friday and be like, My mortgage guy's not getting back to me. I have to close Monday. And at the time, there was mm-hmm. no, you have to wait a certain time yeah. frame. I'd be like, Send me your entire package. I'll close you, close you Tuesday, right? And I remember Morris person one time saying, it's Friday at five o'clock. I don't work after five on Fridays. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I'm taught that you don't have to work Monday through Friday as long as you work weekends in real estate because real estate is yeah. viewed on the weekends because the actual home buyer or right. mortgage person that needs the money, obviously, is going to the open houses, viewing the real estate because the consumer works during the week, right? which is interesting. But I'm like, wait, this is low hanging fruit. I'm like, five o'clock. I'm like, I'll work till 11. I'm going to answer my phone. If I'm not in the shower, right? I'll probably answer if I'm sleeping. But as long as I'm not in the shower and my phone rings, I'm going to pick it up. Right. Because that's but, business. They're giving you, you know, money. But you know what it is too, Jeff? I love speaking to my clients. 
I enjoy it. Not all. So I think, <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it's not, it's not even so much the clients. I have learned now there's a psychology behind why people do things. Fear. Okay. Most people, when they react to certain situations, they don't know how to express it. They don't know how to truly explain that they're feeling frustrated, that they're feeling confused, they're feeling out of control. They're Overwhelmed, feeling, yes. anxious. So the way they come at you, it's just the way they deal with it. It's not necessarily about you. It's not about your company. It's not, it's not that. And so I've gotten to the point in my career that- Are you numb to it? Not the opposite. The opposite. Over No, no. See, yes. I have gotten to the point- it becomes a challenge. Internally for yourself. Meaning I'm going to turn them. Wow. I am literally going to take them and convert them into where I can calm so them. So I think women have that sure, correct. innately where men don't, correct. right? And that's why I've always said, like, if you gave me 10 high-powered killer women, I would have them do more business than 500 men in the industry because... You possess, women possess mm -hmm. a certain quality, nurturing, motherly. Like, it's oh, natural. My, it's natural to you guys. Mm -hmm. It's natural to some men, yeah. but more often than not, the testosterone or the ego kicks mm -hmm. in. That becomes challenging, confrontational. Like, look, you know, our patients aren't usually as long, if you will, as, uh, as a female's. Correct. And it, it's funny you bring that up. We were talking about the women. You know, I do a lot of speaking at women events. Sure. And I always tell them, you do realize you have an advantage in business. Completely. Completely. <laughs> I'm like, all the time, women are always like, oh, yep. we don't get as much opportunity or we don't get invited to sit at the table. I actually totally call BS on that. Me too. I absolutely call BS on yep. that. And there are so many times that I have been able to use, and, and let's make sure we're clear as to what I'm speaking about. <laughs> the, what I'm speaking about, the advantage, yep. is I can be empathetic. I can be fun. I can do cute things where I can mail somebody something or I can send somebody something and it's viewed it. How nice so was kind. that? Yep. That was so kind. A man can't do that. A man, it would be awkward. It would be like, why are you cheesy, sending me? Yeah, yeah. Cheesy, cheesy. It comes across yep. different yep. where when I do it, people are like posting all this stuff about, look at how sweet she is. Look at how nice she is. Now, I, you have to be authentic. Mm -hmm. You can't just do it thinking I'm going to manipulate this Correct. situation. It yeah. has to be real. Yep. But if you are truly believing and you love what you do and that passion comes across, women can utilize that much better than men can. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, as we spoke about earlier, it's super important to touch on the fact of how I believe certain women do themselves and the women community, if mm -hmm. you will, a disjustice and a disservice by blocking men out and making yeah. like women only events or this is only for women or men aren't welcome because they feel insecure or maybe someone won't open up. And I think, you know, like myself, like, look, I would rather have women on my show than men. It's a flat out fact, right? Why is that? Let me rephrase that. I'd rather have <laughs> the right women on the show than the right men because I'm a big believer that, you know, I truly believe in my heart that women possess more better qualities than men when they're not being emotional, right? And they're able to act in a professional boss-like setting where they're not insecure. There's nothing more attractive to me, any woman level, not physically, right? I know what you mean. <laughs> Meant from a mental space of a woman that like holds her own 
and carries herself with a respectful manner. You nailed it. Of the one thing I always say at any time I speak in front of women, control your emotions yep. and get out of your head because the downfall of women in business is when you're second guessing yourself all the time, worried about what Men somebody's do it thinking. Men do it too. But women especially. Women are very right. much self-doubt yep. and and you know not being worthy and yep. all of that and control your emotion. Yep. Suck it up. Because I, you know, and I've said to them, I've said to women, if you're getting upset, you better go in that lady's room and you better do what you got to yep. do. And come back and take up. a deep breath yeah. and button it up. Because that you makeup on. <laughs> you yeah. do what you have to do because you never allow, you never allow other people to see you in that, in that position. So you're correct. Once you can control that, and it takes time, mm-hmm. it's not something, you know, when you're 20 years old, you don't know that. Sure. It's in time. You have to grow. That's why getting a good mentor or working with a group of women sure. that have supportive, gotten, real yes, supportive. Yes. Not and not and a, for anybody listening out there, girls, please, please don't go searching for these people that are going to take your money. Yep. That really have Life zero with, yeah, zero yeah, interest yeah. in your yeah. best effort yep. that are going to take your money and tell you all these fake things that you need to do. The true people, like I'll tell you myself, I love working with girls that I can, young ladies that are coming up. Sure. The people that are trying to take money, manipulate, you know, profit for themselves. Please just be careful. I'm not saying everybody's not correct, but. Yeah, they put up the facade and there's nothing behind it. And I'll give you a funny story. It was 2016, I believe. And I had gone to a BNI meeting, a Mm -hmm. BNI, like networking, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I hate networking. I'll have my own networking events. Right? I, invite, I want my whole friends and family and clients to come hang out, but I don't like going to other people's stuff because it's stuffy and you see a lot of insecurity and I'm just not a networker. I have a big network, but I'm not a networker, if that makes sense. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I want to be efficient. Like mm-hmm. I want to go to a whole room of like sheep if I'm a sheep. You know, I'd mm-hmm. rather go to a room of like lions if I'm a sheep. I'm, I'm around different people, not like the same people I talk to mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So this girl's like, yeah, like I just started my own thing, this and that. And I just paid this lady $25,000 and I, I'm going to get a website and then she's going to coach me, this and that. And then, so it was an interesting dynamic. So hopefully you feel this now. So I'm told I have a very strong energy presence, right? Especially in areas I don't want to be in. Like people know flat out, like, all right. like I'm the same way. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting at the table, but I really don't want to be here right now. Unfortunately for other people, fortunately for me, the weak hands feel very uncomfortable around me. They shake out instantly because I explained earlier, like my third eye don't lie, right? They know I'm onto their bullshit. So we had a meeting and was, I got, must have gotten five emails. We need to be there at 11. No one be late. No one be late. No one be This is from that lady. Mm-hmm. She was 20 minutes late, right? Now, automatically, like, look, you know me, I'm easy going. Like, well, you know, now I'm easy going. I still have it in me. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. I could sit here and be like, oh, well, what happened? To, you, know, you sent me five emails that I had to read and you're 20 minutes late. Like, clearly there's something wrong here, right? She's trying to get other people's business. Yeah. So she comes in and automatically she comes like, and I don't know her, never met her. She comes like attacking me because it's her insecurity. Now I'm just sitting there and every single thing I said, I was like, yeah, it's Wednesday morning. No, it's not. It's Wednesday afternoon. I'll be like, it's 1030. It's 1031. And I'm like, is this broad kill it? Is she kidding me right now? Like, is she coming at me? And I'm like, something's off here. You know what? Let me just shut up. Let me just finish up and get out. So I said to my friend, I go, look, if I were you, I'd be careful. I go, I hope you didn't 
pay this lady a lot of money. She said, no, I gave her a $25,000 deposit. Do you know that, wait, she took her money, double charged her credit card, never got her website, never provide any services, and she wound up having the sewer? And I'm like, and that's what gives people a bad name. But the thing, Jeff, is you're seeing more and more of people like that coming out of the woodwork. scammers. Yeah. The inadequate ones. Yeah. But I feel like everyone's everyone's a pretender. Why is that? Like, And there's no way, unfortunately, there's no Angie list to show players versus <laughs> pretenders, if you will. And at the end of the day... Maybe we should start that. I, I think we're on <laughs> Let's something. do that. Let's call them out. But like, serious. Like, look, when people... Like, I feel like... People like you and I as mm-hmm. that are genuine, authentic. Like you can go online. People may have had experiences. If you do enough business, someone's not going to be happy. Let's just call a spade a spade. Like yep. Something's going to go wrong, especially in the industries that you're in and I came from, right? It's very emotional business. Very right? emotional. It's people emotional are like, business. oh, I got screwed because my mortgage got denied. Well, you lost your right. job. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not my fault, right? right. So if right. you see a review about that's questionable, you're correct. it's because it's something that was out of my control that's that right. I'm taking the blame for. But I'm a man and I'll tell you, yeah. like if you blame me for something that I am responsible for, I'll admit I'm mm-hmm. wrong. If you blame me for something that I'm not responsible for, I'm going to tell you, hey, you're wrong and here's why. So how do we combat that in this world where people people filter out reviews, if you will, and also good business people get bad reviews that aren't accurate? I know. I know. <laughs> right? I, I don't know if I have the answer to that one because believe me, I wish I could figure that one right. out. Because you're, right. I mean, in my business, you're correct. It's very emotional. Right. And usually nobody ever writes a good review. <laughs> you could do tens of <laughs> thousands of good loans, sure. you know, and good transactions. And then, like you said, the one person might lose their job and they yep. no longer qualify and yep. you can't help them. Yep. And that person goes online and writes, you know, this is the worst company in the world and whatever. And and it's difficult because you can't do a you know, this whole back and forth and, yeah. and there's always that. Almost time in the day. So I think all what I do is I try to just continue to promote the good things we're doing. Right. You know, so you almost I, ignore, you ignore the yeah, stuff that I you mean, know is I not true. Yeah. I can't really get caught up in that because mm-hmm. if I did, it would just drive yourself crazy. So, and I'm going to tell you a story about that. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in a manager meeting and we were talking about, you know, how do we continue to, you know, get everybody to have a sense of urgency and really focus in on hitting those target dates and make it happen. And one of my managers came into me and he's like, Laura, I have an idea. And I'm like, Andy, what do you have? He goes, we should call every transaction by the family name. Because we, they're not a loan. They're not a transaction. They're not a mortgage. Completely agree. They're a family. Yep. And do you know? Real people. Yeah. And do you know, it was 2013. I still remember when it was. And I walked into the president of the company at that time. And I said, I'm making a proclamation. And he's like, oh, Jesus. Not again. You, well, he's like, yeah, not you again. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, from this day forward, we don't refer to anything as a loan, a deal, a transaction, a mortgage. They're families. And we literally changed our technology that now it prints, you know, family. And we refer. And it's funny how if you focus in on the good things, sometimes there'll be a negative. But you just have to focus your attention on the good stuff in every realm. So you bring up two huge topics we're going to touch on. The first thing is going to be family. And then the second thing is going to be how did you stick to your guns in an industry where you're surrounded by a lot of 
bad apples, if you will. So let's touch on the family part first. You told me a little bit of background about your family, warm, welcoming. You guys never owned a home growing up to now your parents live with you. And it seems as if your work is your extended larger family. Talk to us about that and then the culture you've created there. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, it, it it's funny. I started AFR Wholesale in June of 2007, which for anybody that's in the mortgage business, yeah, probably knows, the worst time. That was the like an atomic bomb <laughs> yeah. was going off in the mortgage business. <laughs> and I was employee number one. And I'll, I love this part of the story where the CEO. Wait, I you're show, a woman and you got an opportunity? I can't believe you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Someone must not have told me yeah. I was a woman. <laughs> must not have realized that. So. They thought your name was Brandon. They only saw your last name. <laughs> so I remember I showed up the first day and the CEO, you know, I, I'm all excited. I'm starting this new opportunity. And the CEO was like, hey, Laura, how you doing? I'm like, great. He goes, hey, you see that desk over there? Yeah. That's AFR Wholesale. Go build it. I was like, all right, all right, let's do it. There was a computer on the desk. That's good. Didn't all right, on, I got a computer. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, good. Yeah. And you know what I did? Left and built no, it. I brought up HUD.gov. I started cold calling every single mortgage broker on HUD.gov. Wow. And I told them I'm a brand new wholesale lender wow. that does FHA loans down to 500 FICO. Wow. Give me your loans. Yep. I was salesperson number one. The loans came in. I processed them because I also knew how to process and underwrite loans. I handed them to an underwriter to underwrite them. First month with no employees, I did 10 loans myself. Wow. Okay. Then I just started hiring people. I probably have 80% of the people that started with me in seven and eight still work for me. Something to be spoken about, especially in this industry. That's the family. So what do you do from a loyalty standpoint as an owner to mm-hmm. maintain that loyalty and command that loyalty? You know what it is? It's trust and it's respect. I will tell you right now, we're going through a refi boom. The rates have gone down. The 10 year is low. Now's the time. Recruiters are calling people like crazy. Offering crazy Crazy. They're offering me money. Right? I'm not even in the business. Yeah, I'm right. like, I mean, crazy yeah, money. Why are you the money? But I'll see you yeah, never. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you, I had an underwriter leave a week ago. Okay, no big deal. Not somebody that's been with me a long time. Maybe they've been with me eight months. Okay. And the VP of underwriting called me to tell me, and I'm like, it's okay. Don't worry. It's all right. People are allowed to leave. This isn't prison. You know, they can move on. It's okay. It's a job. And he goes, Laura, it makes me so angry when somebody leaves. I said, why? He goes, because they don't understand what they have that what you have here is not normal this is a family and when the going gets tough laura you went out and you sold brokers to get more business in here you worked 16 hours a day to make sure that all of us got paid and everything he goes that's not normal so i don't care who calls me and offers me what because that's a family. Do you ever feel like you were used by any of your employees or sales reps? I mean, it, of course. You do. People, so you have, have, people have come and You know gone. what I'm saying, right? Like you do that. I'm giving an example by like, you do them a favor. Okay. We've you, paid people bonuses. I'm sure. Bonuses, and draws, and then they leave next day. So you I mean, have believe had me, that. I've, I've had experience that, that, but those aren't my original people. Do you take that to heart? You can. I feel like you have a little gangster in you. You can. <laughs> well, I'll give, you, I'll give you another story. Okay. It's 2014. My original crew, I've got an amazing, we're crushing it, 
going amazing, but the rates start going up. Yep. Remember yep. that 13, three 14? three and a quarter to the five. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Remember, right? Quick. All of a sudden, yeah, it yeah, went yeah. up. Yep, okay. two months. I get a phone call from my top salesperson. I'm leaving. Two minutes later, I'm leaving. Ten minutes later, I'm leaving. A competitor of mine came in, offered seven of my salespeople all kinds of crazy money and opportunity to build a new wholesale A new AFR. Right. Exactly. So crushing, right? These are people that I considered my family. That I, you know, helped. They were with me at the beginning. They literally took all my clients, right? You don't understand, Jeff. You're right about that gangster thing. Because I swore if I had to personally go after every single one of those clients and keep them, after they left, within two months, I had more business coming in from those clients than the people that left. Because they sucked. They were inadequate. That company is out of business now. They they don't even exist anymore. Do you believe that? The mortgage business and real estate and well as well. Like so I always I use like rough analogies so people can really like, I want it to hit home, right? So I'm gonna use dirty language. <laughs> it's like going into another man or woman's home and having sex with their spouse okay. in that person's home. That's how I look at the mortgage and real estate business from a recruiting standpoint, because yeah. there's no repercussions for blatant disrespect, You're dishonor. Right. Oh, you know, it's all people that are going to shake your hand at a networking event and then try and fuck you and take your employees. Mm-hmm. Are there ever going to be any? Reper- uh, Why does anybody talk about and I'm that? Gonna, I'm going to give you a perfect example of that actually just happened to me. I had a guy, his company went out of business. He reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says, the company went out of business. I'd love to come to work for your company because you have a, a product that fits. I hired a guy. He's unemployed. I hired the guy. Give him an amazing opportunity. I take him on stage with me. At the Bellagio in front of 2,000 people, build him up to where he's doing all kinds of videos, promoting my products. Take him to a conference and a competitor. Please tell me you're kidding. Gone. Just happened to me like three months ago. Gone. Did that hit hit you on the inside at all? Truthfully. So, oh, it burned. (laughs) It burned. Okay. I'm going to bring the gangster out of you one way or another. We're going to expose you. I tell you. So it burned. But you don't understand, Jeff. The greatest retaliation success is success. And I will always show, no matter who ever tries, I promise you I can beat you. If I'm a level of fair and square, I, I will do it on the best terms. I don't have to screw anybody. I don't have to go in and pillage your home. I'll build it myself. I will do I've it done the it right way. I've done it. I've done it many right. times without in my career you. without them. And I don't want your baggage. If you're out there and you've been in the business forever and ever and ever and you've run around the gamut, you're nothing to me. I'd rather take the person that is hungry with a fire in their belly, that's open-minded, that's going to look at me as, damn, she figured it I'm out. I'm lucky to work with her. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to follow yep. this yep. one yep. and I'm going to learn and I'm going to absorb. Listen, this isn't a marriage. I don't expect you to be with me for you know, 20 years. Only your husband. Yeah, exactly. My husband's yeah. got to be with me. But, <laughs> but learn from me, you know, fly, but not in a bad, not in a, I'm going to go behind and build myself up in video and then go to the competition and ask for double the money you were paying so like, me. So I told you I was in the Bronx for many years. And I always say like, my heart is and always will be in the Bronx for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. It's where I got my start. It's where I lost it playing football. It's where I lost it for the girl I was engaged to at the time, you know, and the Bronx 
taught me so many valuable life lessons, business lessons, hard, hard lessons that I hope no one goes through. And part of the reason why I put out there the stuff that I do is to show people that even while all this stuff was going on in my life, not one person that I didn't openly tell and choose to tell knew that there was a disaster behind the scenes, personally, mentally, emotionally, you know, all this stuff, right? But where I come from, which was the Bronx for that eight-year period, if you looked at somebody the wrong way, there's a chance that you're going to hit with a baseball bat. Uh, look at somebody the wrong way. If you opened up a competitive business on the same block as somebody, two guys in leather jackets were showing up and shaking you down one way or another. And this is a fact, right? So coming from that mentality, like your word, your trust, your pride, your bond, everything, it's everything. Why do you believe in particular the mortgage business has attracted so many of the wrong people the greed. I was going to say envy, it's money. It's money. because of money. All money. It's all money. People look at it as an easy way to make money. I mean, think about it. How many people in the mortgage business even graduated college? I didn't. <laughs> like, right? I mean, most people in our industry didn't even go to school. So it's just amazing that you have people that could make a good amount of money hundreds of thousands. without an yeah. education. Without a personality. And so it, yeah, without a personality. <laughs> but yet, it, so it does attract, you know, some of this wrong caliber. And, and it's funny, you know, there was a long period of time in my career that I didn't go outside, meaning head down, building a business, you know, your tunnel vision, focus, laser focused. Part of that wasn't just because I was laser focused, I didn't want to see those people. And this goes back to the woman thing again. If I went to a conference, I was disgusted by what I saw. Me too. I mean, not to mention Cheating, the, the whole women right. thing again, but these booth babes, oh, you know, the, yeah, are yeah. you really? Yeah, they took the Tor- Coors Light twins and yeah. they put them in the mortgage booth or a title. Really? Right. I'm like, this is a mortgage right. conference. Right. Why? I mean, I get a car show or, you know, something like that, but a mortgage conference. And the only women I saw was that or the grunt workers, the poor women that are literally just doing the, the hard yeah, work overworked. around it, where yep. the guys were yep. the ones the doing. Machismo. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to. Yes, you're correct. So I stayed away. I would not even. That's why it's funny because people will be like. Where the heck did you come from? In the last 18 months, all of a sudden you're everywhere. Well, that's because this is the first time I feel in our industry that you're actually seeing some of that being called out. You're starting to see some people just tired of that same old. Yeah. And so people now, like even including myself, Mm -hmm. we've kind of been giving a voice in the last 18 months. And I'm happy to share my voice now. Because I actually think there's some different mojo happening in our industry. You know know what's funny? So I wrote, first of all, I never, I always knew in my mind business-wise, I had the confidence, the wherewithal, the knowledge, but I just literally did my business and shut up about it, right? Like that's literally what I did. Did my job, played my role, shut up, right? I never understood how impactful or influential I could be to the industry until 2017, right? For whatever reason, it was just, you know, like the first quarter of 2017 where I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of letting people suppress my true opinions, feelings, and beliefs. I'm tired of being told I'm doing things wrong when I'm number one and two in the company, every company I've ever been at. Enough is enough now. My voice 
needs to be heard so people don't keep making the same mistakes. So I got told, you're telling the consumers too much. You're airing out banks' dirty laundry. I can't believe you would tell somebody this, right? Because that exposed them. That hurt them being able to lie to people. And then Triple Play, which I had gone to because I was told I had to go every year. I didn't want to go to Triple Play. I, I hated Triple Play. I would go and bring 10 grand and play blackjack the whole time and not go to a conference, not do anything. I'd show up for like the company dinner I worked for and that was it. Or bring a friend or a girl I was dating at the time. And I wrote an article. I basically said, here's why I'll never go to Triple Play again. I exposed, I exposed names. I exposed what I saw. Like, all right, you got a bunch of guys who do no business going down, a bunch of title reps and realtors that are acting like prostitutes, if you will. The banks pay for everything. It's who's got the biggest swinging you-know-what, mm-hmm. right? And then you're watching people that you know have children. And I have a kid at the time. Cheating I know. on their spouse That's that I That's why knew I never went to any of those conferences. That were at the dinner I was just at, right? I know. And do you believe... Two people that I worked for at the time called me up and told me, you have to delete that. How dare you do that? I hope my wife does it. And I'm like, and I know this, I know the one person in particular would never cheat on his wife. Fact, right? But everyone else in the company was complaining about me to him. In the company I worked for, because I was always the youngest guy by many years and successful, everyone would always bark into the manager and the owner's ears of what I'm doing because they're insecure. So I always got shit from people. I'm like, yo, you tell that pussy to come see me because mm-hmm. he was the one that was cheating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the people that are complaining to you, they don't like it because they're uncomfortable because I exposed them. And then, you know what? Like five months dust settled. I never deleted it. I'm like, that's my blog. Like, it's not your blog. You don't own me, right? It's one of the reasons I got out of business. I don't want anybody to own me anymore. And they're like, you know what? I respect that because you're spot on. I didn't want to tell you that then, but now that I reread it, it resonates. And then after last year's triple play, people were like, you know what? You were right about that article. I'm like, but it took it took a 30-year-old to tell you morons that are 55, 60, well, but, 70 years but old? look at the example I told you. Somebody like me, you don't fit. I wouldn't step foot at one of those conferences. And see, I was told I had to go. Yeah, so, so look at that. So yeah. think of the people that were going. Yeah. It wasn't somebody yeah. like me. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be caught dead at a place like that. So that's back to the question. How were you able to avoid all that chaotic noise from the wrong players that thought they well, were players you know it's funny wait what was and your stay expression? In your lane. what was your expression about the third eye what, what is your third eye don't lie <laughs> okay <laughs> there you go so i very early whether you want to call it women's intuition or you want to call it gut instinct or you want to call it a feel men have intuition okay? too you don't know I women intuition i didn't, I didn't I, not as many men talk about it because they're, but they're i closed. will tell you i will tell you I have always had the ability to pick on people instantly. Really? I can pick it's it up on the phone. Curse. I know. I can pick it up on the phone. I can pick it up in person. I can pick it up instantly. Honestly, I hired my entire company from having that feeling. I could tell. So I can tell in an interview. I can tell in a very short amount of time whether somebody is going to fit right. And I could tell who to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And now picture this. All right. So I joined the company in 07. In 2009, the CEO comes to me and says, we want you to be a partner because I'm not letting you go. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to let somebody else take you away. So I become the first woman partner. They just needed a female on the board. That must be it. That must be it. They were trying to make her. We got all men here. We got a problem. So I become a partner in 2009. Now picture this. I'm the one woman partner with all these guys. And sometimes they'll bring somebody in and I'll be like, bad move. That guy shouldn't be here. What do you mean, Laura? Look at his resume. 
Monday. That's he was 30 million a year. It. Yeah, in Look 04. At this. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, not a good move. Yep. Now, in the beginning, they did not understand that. And they were like, but Laura, he comes recommended from Joe Schmo, and Joe Schmo never is wrong. I'm telling you, not good. After a few times of them realizing, I pretty much am 100% accurate on that. Now it's almost a running joke that they'll be like, "What do you think? What was the what was the feeling around that?" Opinion. (laughs) So we've seen it. We've let wolves into the into the what is what's that nest? Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, whatever it is, whatever it is, we've let bad people in, and they shake out. But for the most part, I've had the privilege of having the knowledge, the gut instinct, the whatever you want to call it, that I stay away from the people that I feel are a bad person, bad company. You know, it's always protected it, me. It's a sad thing, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, look, the resume, right? Yeah. Look what they oh. did. So most mortgage bank, okay, all mortgage banks that I've ever worked for, every single one of them, management included, operates out of desperation. You're probably right. Management. Some the owners might yeah, not. Everything have, react. If the owners are not on site or as mm-hmm. present, and let their managers manage. Every single manager, every single one of them, operates at a desperation. And what I mean by that is, look, I'm telling you, this guy's not a good reputation. He over. He's a bad reputation. You know what? Yeah, but he's doing 10 million a year. We just lost. ABC loan officer, we need that 10 million in production. I'm like, but he's not a good culture fit. No, no, no. We need him because he does he does eight million FHA a year. I'm like, are you are you guys dumb? Are you guys buying? I give me those resources, right? That you would expend on him, and I'll go get you an extra eight million a year in business or ten or whatever the number is, you know? And I think that's what really deterred me as we spoke about earlier, that inner conflict. Because when I first started in the business, I went out there to make a name for myself. I went out there to accomplish something. I went out there because I said, if these guys that I don't really respect or look up to, I think are doing it the wrong way, are making three to $600,000 a year, I could do this at 20. Now, it took me to 24 to make 500,000 my first year of that kind of money. It was like 30,000, 118,000 in six months, 180,000, and then bang, 500 and something thousand dollars. I knew I could do it because I saw how weak the competition was, right? It just turned me off from continuously wanting to do it because it was always an uphill battle and I was always guilty by association. So I didn't do it for the money. And then when it became more so about the money and what I was making per deal and I let, well, this loan officer is doing the same business and making double than you because you know his banks gave him a higher split. I got so lost and caught up in what the money was and what someone else was making rather than just focusing on myself and growing my business, my own business plan. And I think that's you know, the big problem in the industry today still is people just only focus on their bottom line and their money. And I understand that we live in a high, you know, cost but living I, area. But I but. think it it can't be about that. Not for a long period of time. I think it's okay to have goals. I had goals myself. I mean, you know, I had the same thing that by this age I need to be here and by this age I have to be here. And I accomplished all those goals. But at this point, it's not at all about the money anymore. Well, I think I told you, I, made, I had like three back-to-back-to-back huge months, and I talked to the CFO of the company I worked for. He actually called me up. I don't ever want to really talk to him. And he's like, hey, you're on like a good run here, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but I'm miserable as fuck. And he's like, well, just go do more business. And I was like, 
I want to rip your head off before this phone call. And now I really want to rip your head off. Like what? Like that's not, I just, I just made crazy money, like crazy, crazy money for three months in a row. And you tell me, go do more business. I tell you how miserable I am by doing that amount of business. That's your, but again, like we spoke about, you're just a meal ticket. You're generating us so much revenue. Shut up. Doesn't matter about your health. Well, look at how bad that everything. culture is. Hor- like that horrible. is horrible. That's transactional. It's transactional. Transactional. All of a sudden we talked about the word family. Yep. You as a team member yep. are nothing more than a bottom line. You're worthless to them. You're not important to them. All you are is another cog in the wheel to spit out money. From a sales side, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's very unfortunate. It's extremely unfortunate. Touch a little bit on how, it's funny, we say dinosaurs together. And I used to like the movie Land Before Time when I was little. Oh, I love so, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and now I have tons of friends I tell they have T-Rex arms, which is super funny. But um, dinosaurs in the industry. Talk yeah. to me about them, their problems, how long you see before they go extinct and their unwillingness to change. Yeah, you know, I'm a big, big TED Talk person. I love to watch TED Talks and listen to TED Talks. I, I do a morning video every day to my company. So every single morning at six o'clock in the morning, a camera comes on my face and I say good morning Wake and I up. tell them things. Yeah. Hello. The reason why I do it at 6 a.m. is because I want my video to be the first thing my team sees in the morning. Because it's always going to be something positive. I'm always going to tell them they did a great job. I'm always going to tell them what we're trying to accomplish. I tell them stories. I give them kudos, you know, things like that. So anyway, when I watched this one TED Talk in the morning, I had to share it with my company. And I told them that, do you know what the number one way to have happiness in your life is to have adaptability? Because the reason why people go through different struggles in life is because they're fighting Resistance. what they're resisting, what they should be adapting to. And we know in our industry, for the longest time, the average age of a loan officer was 53. I actually heard a very good statistic at the conference I was at last week. It's 56 now. <laughs> no, no, kidding, it's gone down. Believe uh, it or not, for the first time. Well, they flooded the industry I, with no knucklehead 24-year-olds yeah, that don't know anything. Yeah, but so. it actually did come down. I think it's 52 like and a half. No, it's like 47 <laughs> or something. It's, it's still not yeah. like 30, but yeah. that's good. Sure. That's some new sure. people are coming in, which yep. I'm very it excited about. It had to go about. that way. Was only yeah, one it had to. Yep. It had, I mean, yep. you know, otherwise. But, and no one 55 plus is getting in, so. No, yeah, yeah exactly. It's averaging out. Exactly. So... I see it every day. I see it from my clients. I see it from my, you know, my own team, you know, at times that it's scary to them. Things are moving so fast. So many things are coming at them. They're challenged. And I think it has to give. And I think at some point you're going to see the new regime take over, which is glorious. Nothing makes me happier than handing the baton over to the next generation to say, guys, we kind of made some mistakes in the industry. I hope you learn from them. I hope you don't repeat them. And I hope you take the good things and leave the bad things. But it's a struggle right now. And I, the last- it's been a struggle for the past 10 years. No, but the last year and a half, more than ever. I've been out of game for that time. Yeah, it's it's speeding up. I don't know what's causing it to speed up. And maybe it's because some of the younger crowd is coming in. So maybe because they're coming in, there's more of a conflict happening. But I can only, I I hope my wish, if I was going to give a wish, is that for the people that are maybe in their late 40s, 50s, whatever, I hope that they're not just doing it because they don't have anything else to do. I only wish that they actually take a moment to realize 
actually, listen, you know what I get to do every day? What you love. I do something I love because I bring families home every single day and make a difference in people's lives. The right every way. Day, the right way. Every day I get to right. do that. Right. But you know these dinosaurs don't look at that. But they look, at, they look at what their commission check is. But they is. gotta, they gotta realize why. Because if you're not in it because you love it, gotta get out. You gotta get out. So I got out. You gotta get out. You gotta love what you do. And I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're cleaning up the garbage yep. or if you're yep. bringing families home. Yep. My wish to everybody in the world is, my God, do what you love. Well, it's kind of like the mortgage business is kind of like keep them in the hole, down in the hole. And these loan officers, that, that's all they know because they should never have made $50,000 no. in a year. But because they were in the mortgage business, they were able to deceive people for so long before technology and accessibility to information really caught on. You had guys in from ninety. From 1991 to 2005, that were making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. and Or millions. <laughs> or millions, if they did it, if mm-hmm. they were fortunate enough to mm-hmm. do that. Not many, though, right? In the wholesale side, they were. They were. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really need much skill or talent. It was like right place, right time. And now they're doing, on average, less than one deal per month, right? And it's hard for them to swallow from a pride standpoint. Clearly, God or the higher power is trying they, to humble them, but they don't want change. But they're, they're still... Still referring right. to 2006. Right. I'm like, my God, it's going to be 2020. Will you get with the program and realize those days are gone? And they're not coming back. They're never. I yep. hope they never they come back because it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have happened well, then. Here, here's the deal, right? Like you said, when you went to your first closing the day before, you were charged more money, mm-hmm. right? And we won't talk about who that was or where that was, but it's close to home, if you will, right? <laughs> People were able to be lied to and deceived, and there was no repercussions for it, and you had no other option but to close, right? When those days were over, when the LE and CD and all that stuff came in, and consumers were given ample time to review their closing documents, fees, points, those cowboys, if you will, were knocked out of the wild, wild west. And those same guys today are having a hard time surviving in general with margin compression and consumers understanding where rates are and how easy it is to shop for a mortgage that they think. But yeah, like their day is coming gone and like they're hanging out for dear life because they know that they're, they're not really talented or skilled enough to go out anywhere and work other than Walmart or Kmart. And there's nothing wrong with working at Walmart or Kmart, but how are you going to tell your wife and three kids that you've been making $200,000 a year that you're taking a job for $15 an hour? Mm-hmm. And and what's happening now? Okay, so we're watching Amazon, we're watching Zillow, we're watching Quicken. Open Door, Quicken, yeah. like all of these digital mortgage sure. companies. We're watching them gain ground. Okay, um, it's going to become more digital. So what's that going to leave? That's going to leave the more complicated transactions. That's going to leave the transactions where you truly need Skill a trusted and a brain. And a brain. advisor. Right. So. If you are somebody that really doesn't know what sure. they're doing, they really aren't learning all the intricacies of these programs to be able to counsel and be that trusted advisor, you're a dinosaur. You're no longer relevant. You're not needed. You're not relevant or needed For anymore. That dollar amount. That's right. That's the difference. And it's great because now you're bringing in this next generation. They don't know the past. They have no idea what transpired in 2006. They were in high school. They were in maybe, grammar school, maybe they were right? School. Yeah, maybe they were in grammar yeah. school, you know? Yeah. So they don't care what happened back then. They don't know any difference. And so all they know is the industry now, and they're coming in, and they're learning it the right way, and they're being that trusted advisor. And that's my hope for the I had, future. I had, a, I had a past client's 18-year-old son reach out to me. And getting talking. a mortgage? He's try- he wants Good. to. Yeah, he wants to. And... um I was like, 
what year were you born? He's like 2001. I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, did you read about, you know, the 2008 collapse in your history books? He's like, like, he's like, what? He's like, I've heard about it. (laughs) I'm like, wait, how is that not in history books yet? Like that was like probably the second most impactful. I mean, next to the stock market crash in the twenties, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, the sub that, that was just as, look at. And these kids that are now their next wave of homeowners are like out there just clueless. Clueless, clueless. Isn't that something? I mean, I know when I was trying to hire the younger generation, uh, you know, maybe five, six, seven years sure. ago. Yeah, 11 to 13. I couldn't. I know. Because the kids that were coming out of college were like, are you crazy? And they needed to make 60000 a year. They're like, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with that industry. So that's funny. Because so I, <laughs> I, I like throwing money, good money at bad people, if you will. <laughs> So I was like, look, I don't want to bring in, I never hired anybody from the mortgage industry that was a salesperson. I would bring people in from operations. Or I'd bring people in from outside, get them licensed. And that was my model. Zero panned out. One, maybe one or two panned out. I threw hundreds of thousands of dollars at this initiative. But again, I believed in it. It was for the right reason. I was also an enabler. I wound up doing their job because they you know, weren't workers and I was deceived, if you will. Or I saw more in them than they saw in themselves. Oh, you learned. But it was a learning to, opportunity. Kids would call, friends would call me up, be like, I graduated from Fordham. I need a job. I'm like, okay, well, this is a commission business. Well, I have student loans. I go, well, what are you doing now? Nothing. I'm unemployed. I go, well, let me give you an opportunity, you know? Nope. I'm like, okay, let's start you off with 36000 a year draw. Nope. I need to make 60000 I go, wait, right now you're making no thousand. And people wouldn't even buy it. No, I need to make 60000 I'm not taking a job. Yeah, that, that definitely happened. Remember that whole four-year? I'm like, wait, I don't Yeah, because understand. of the student nothing. loans. I'm like, but look, I'm like, in yeah. my second year, I made 118000 Like, I'm not telling you you're making 30. You're making a base draw, and then you could have that. You could make a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And the most successful athletes, the most, you know, muscly guys, the toughest guy wouldn't bet on themselves. It's a different, it's, it's a different mindset. I mean, I've, I've literally seen... Kids coming out of college that say to me, I would rather have a guaranteed salary than commission. I'm like, so you do understand that you could make triple, quadruple if you go commission, but you would rather have the same amount every single week at a much lower amount. Yes. Yep. I'm like, man, that doesn't comprehend in my brain, but... Okay, yeah, if that's what you, that's what you like, want. if that's yeah. what makes you happy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. the security of having the same paycheck, that's okay. And I literally have seen, I've taken people that way, and they've been successful. They've been okay with that. So that's okay. So I have seen that change where it's different. I mean, when I was coming in, I was like, give me the highest potential for commission, and I will crush Let it. Let me run. Just, Let just, me run. Just give me stand, the rules of the game. Stand on my way. I'm going over yeah, you. That, right? I'm going over <laughs> around. So just let me go and I'll do the rest. Interesting. So as we close up the show, we always leave. So deposit that means deposit that one thing you want people to remember to their brain bank, to their memory bank that they can implement in either in their daily life, in their personal life, or in their business career or aspiring business career. What's one thing you want listeners to take away from your show? So I was telling you, actually why I even did this. Mm -hmm. So I guess that will be what I, what I left. So about 18 months ago, I I mentioned about how I started getting out and people started seeing me everywhere. That all started because there was a new organization in our mortgage business called the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. Okay. It was started to give an opportunity for brokers to be able to have a, a organization that came together. Well, the chairman of that organization 
I immediately was like, I am all for this organization. I'm here to support whatever I can do. And the chairman said, Laura, I'm having my first conference in California. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Great. I'll be there. I'll support you. He's like, I need you on a stage. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't get on a stage. I don't get in front of microphones. I'm, I'm back at the office. I'm building company. He goes, no, the only way you can come is if you get on the stage. And I did it. I cannot even tell you the feeling I got when I did that. Play a high. Unbelievable. Like, yes. Good way to like explain it. a hiking it. high. Yes. Adrenaline rush. Okay. All of a sudden, a ripple of something started happening. I started getting calls from magazines and podcasts and radio and everybody and their mother reaching out to me saying, I need you to be on this show and I need you to do this. And I, can you speak here? And can you do this? And I'm like, what the heck is happening? I didn't think I wanted to do this. (laughs) So I'm like, I was trying to get out of it. And I thought to myself, if I didn't say yes to that, all those other things wouldn't have happened. At the time when I did that, I was the chief operations officer of my company. I even became president after that because I realized by saying yes, it threw me out of my comfort zone. But when I say yes to things, I say yes with zero expectation and zero preconceived notions. See, most people... When they say yes, they start analyzing in their brain. Oh, my God, what if this happens? What if this happens? And oh, and oh, wait a minute. Maybe Jeff is going to offer me to do this. And then when Jeff doesn't, oh, I feel bad. Yep. No, that's the wrong way to say yes. You have to say yes every day with the thought process of I won today because I did this. Proud of myself today. I got on a train. You don't understand. That's a we big went together. deal. We held hands. <laughs> Jeff helped me. But I threw myself out of my comfort zone. And I did that. So if I was going to share something, I would share with everyone. Do something. And I just also want to explain. When I say to say yes every day, it doesn't have to be jumping out of an airplane or doing something crazy. One of my say yeses at one time, we turned our phones off. Hmm. And the whole family went outside and we actually talked to each other and we played volleyball. We said yes to that. So say yes every day and share that with someone. That's awesome. I mean, I think everyone could take a lot away from what you said. And obviously you have tons of experience. I believe that you're one of the women that did it the right way and will continue to to do it the right way. So we're obviously going to be in Tampa. Yes. Um, what could, what could people expect from the Tampa event? I think the Tampa th- event is going to be very energetic. Okay. You know, I think we have a great group of people from all different backgrounds. Yep. You've got real yep. estate, yep. you've got mortgages, you've got, you know, just motivational speakers, you've got all different. So I think there's going to be a lot of takeaways and I think there's going to be some really great inspiration and education. You know, our panel is going to be the best, right? Of course. Jeff. <laughs> we got to I, compete. Jeff, I have to tell you, yeah. I never go into anything not expecting <laughs> to be the best. <laughs> you said no expectations. What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's so different. <laughs> that's that's awesome. different. That's awesome. Um, so, yes, we are going to do an amazing job. We're going to leave people with wanting more. Sure. That's what we want. Sure. And hopefully we can inspire people to have some good plans for going into 2020. Change some lives. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been awesome. We'll My have you back hopefully on soon to touch on your construction products. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.